The following content has been provided by RWTH, Aachen University. So those are our approaches, and then uh, there are a lot of different contribution types, and this is from Bob Rock's paper, um, that you can find in a publication. So once you write this down, or once you, you, you document your research in your thesis, in a paper, in a journal article, in a book, whatever, um, there's going to be, you know, people who read this are going to ask, okay, what kind of contribution are you making? And these are the types that Warbrock has, has identified. Um, you can see it's quite wide, actually, quite, quite broadly um, distributed. From, from the traditional sort of empirical thing that you can obviously get from empirical science, um, but you could also get a data set from empirical science. So you're observing something, and you, the thing that you report back is, is an extended data set of measurements that you took in, in a certain situation. Maybe you did a you know, large-scale study of people's, I don't know, typing speeds, and um, you document that, and you provide that data set to, to other people who can then use this to work with it. Or maybe you provide, I don't know, um, a pattern, a, a set of images that actually works really well for pattern recognition, and you've tested it, you've measured it, and then other people can use it as, as the data set they do their research on, and so on. And we'll see some examples with this for, for uh, a text-based uh, research. But you know, it could also be methodological. So you're finding out actually a new, you're, you're testing and you're showing that a new research method, a new approach works, um, or a theory that you're developing, or you know, results from a survey. And then you know, other studies can also give you those kinds of things. You can also get, you know, just observe ethnographically and derive a theoretical study uh, results or, or maybe actually be able to report some kind of observations from your ethnography that you did. And, you know, don't take this, you know, too, too seriously. You know, the connections could, you know, probably be argued in different ways as well. But this gives you a, a trend, you know, the kinds of things that you are likely to see from different kinds of research. Somebody does engineering and design work then they're unlikely to end up with results, you know, uh, you, you contribute a, the results of a survey to your research. They're probably going to create an artifact and hopefully give you empirical evidence that this artifact has some qualities. You know, the system does something. It's a new text input device that is faster than others. You know, those kinds of findings you will get from typically the, you know, the engineering and design-oriented um, HCI research. All right, so... Um, you know, there can be more arrows. Don't, don't try to be exhaustive about this. Also, papers can have, if you read one, you'll probably find that they may have multiple contributions, multiple contribution types. But there's probably one key thing, the key thing that after you learn the paper, you know something more than you did before. And that's the one thing, the most important thing, the contribution that you're trying to find in that paper. Um, why we show this to you is when you get a paper, you know, you're doing your own research, so you're trying to read up on related work, like who else did this kind of work already? Um, it's usually the first thing you, you, you try to do. Um, you want to be able to judge and, and evaluate whether a paper is relevant for your own work and whether what it reports is, you know, highly likely to be of use or, or very reliable or whether it's, you know, more of a preliminary result. How well does the result transfer to your own research and all these things? And to evaluate papers for this, um, this binning, this deciding, okay, what kind of contribution is this paper claiming it makes uh, will help you to start, get started in evaluating the paper. If a paper starts out in the abstract saying, you know, we present um, a new algorithm to, I don't know, you know recognize 
text entry faster than others or something. Then you know, okay, there's a contribution clearly that is about an artifact, this algorithm, and probably also some empirical evidence that you know, they, this algorithm actually is better. You know, the, the method is better than anything else we've seen so far. So you should know this by reading through you know, the abstract that should probably usually, if it's written well, give it away uh, what the contribution is, what type it is. Let's look at an example. This is a wall of text here. Um, but what we want to do now is we'd like you to take a look at, um, we have a handout for this too, so you don't need to read this up here on the, on the screen. Um, this is just the, uh, the first page, sort of the abstract um, of a paper called Vulture, a mid-air word gesture keyboard. Uh, this was published at CHI two years ago, so it's pretty recent. Uh, research by Marcus and his colleagues. And uh, what we're going to do is, I don't want to, at this point, you're not supposed to be you know, focusing on, okay, what's the research? Like, what am I learning or something? Like, we're not doing text editing here as a, as a topic so that you become all great text editing researchers. This is an example, right? This is an, an example abstract that we want to analyze. And if this was the paper that you're trying to uh, parse and understand whether it's relevant, how good it is, how, how reliable the result, results are. This would be how we do this. So uh, take, him, take a few minutes and read through this. And uh, in, in groups of two, try to identify uh, what you think is the um, contribution here that is being made. So um, what approach are they taking? Are they you know, doing empirical science? Are they doing ethnography? Are they doing engineering systems science? And what kind of contribution are we seeing? I'll go back to the slide um, after, before, so that you can see those again. Um, we could maybe roll the video, huh? do you think, um, to kind of explain what the maybe stuff is about? The okay, yeah, so let's, let's go through this first. I'll show you the, the overview again of these things here. Um, and. Uh, Read through this, we'll take three minutes for this, and try to find the key contribution um, that this thing is making. So what's the contribution that they're making? What type is it? And uh, what, what's the benefit for the community? What is it that we can learn from it? What, what is it that it gives us uh, for, for our own research? All right, so let's, uh, let's hear what you guys think. What is the uh, contribution? type here we're seeing and what approach is being taken. Yeah? The contribution types are artifact and empirical. Okay. Because they have uh, proposed a new system vulture mm -hmm. as an artifact. Mm -hmm. And they have also described the study of word gesture keyboards, which forms the empirical contribution. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it sounds like it's an empirical contribution. Um, in what kind of form? Empirical science had these different types that we talked about. Descriptive, you think? Experimental. Or experimental? Experimental. Yeah. <laughs> okay. One, two, or three. Oh, yes, it's, it's experimental because we are actually, they're claiming that they can show that if you change one thing, which is you know, using their input method versus others, you can predict how you know, typing speed will change because they say they actually compared it to others and can show a difference that, that is sort of caused by changing the text input method. They're claiming that causal effect. It's not just a correlation. Okay, um, let's look at the, uh, you know, in this case we're lucky because these guys actually um, had to provide their own contribution and benefit statement. 
And before I show you what they actually wrote, let's let's go one step further. So we know it's an artifact contribution and an and an empirical contribution, um, in the form of a you know a controlled study which would give you actual you know experimental uh, data. So you also said the artifact contribution is clear. It's it's this new algorithm for text input, and um, and they show that it has a certain effect. What would be a benefit that this research could have? Is there anything from the abstract that suggests the benefit of this research? Yeah? Well, maybe that if you have something you do repetitive, that it might be useful to use that further. Uh-huh. So they're hinting at some things about, like, with a little bit of training, people actually got, again, significantly better in this. So there's a, a learning curve that can be mastered, and that gives you additional benefits. It's not plateauing off after the initial uh, encounter of the technique, yes. Benefit statements are sometimes a little trickier than the contribution, yeah. Yeah, but, um, but they also say that the recall uh, of this gesture is really low. So uh -huh. you, you can't really base it, okay, for tr if you have to repeat a thing again and again, then this would be beneficial. Mm -hmm. Because you are highly depending on recall as well, which they refute themselves that, yeah, recall is very, very good. So recall wasn't so great. So it appears that this is something actually I, I like in this abstract uh, because they're immediately also telling you about some of the limitations. You know, that's, that's good scientific practice. It's, it's very tempting to fall in love with your own research, your a new algorithm that you came up with, and you're like, oh, it's so great. And then it's very tempting to only talk about the positive things of it, right? That's, that's human nature. Uh, we're like that. But if you're a scientist, you want to make sure that you take an objective point of view as, as far as this is you know, possible for you. And so one of the things that will show that you are able to do this is that you clearly also report the things in which your research falls short or where the limitations are, where, or for which cases it doesn't work well. Because that's just as important for a reader to pick up the results with confidence as the positive results. In fact, if I read something and they say, and this is you know, like the greatest thing ever and it will work at, you know, always, that's, to me, less, less trustful than somebody that says, we tried it with, you know, I don't know, people in this situation and people in this situation, and here's the limitations. This is where it didn't work so well. This is where it worked really well. It just gives you more detail, right? It gives you more texture about the result. It tells you more about how it's applicable and when you can use it. So that's actually the better result, um, even though it, it limits its, uh, its findings. But that's the limitations itself make it more useful. So um, let's look at the video, and then we'll take a look at the the contribution statement that these guys came up with. Um, I think we should probably have audio, right? Let's try this. While previous research in mid-air text entry has focused on single character input, Vulture is a mid-air word gesture keyboard. We study Vulture's performance and compare it to a touch-based counterpart. Even though outperformed by touch, studies shows that Vulture provides faster text entry rates than any previous mid-air text entry method. Overall, our results show that word gesture keyboards are an attractive method for mid-air text entry. Okay, um, so this was pretty short, but it already told you uh, a bit more than you would even find in the abstract. Right? We saw that they said, okay, um, you know, this, it seems that although it falls short of this, it's better than any others that have been presented so far. And it suggests that this could be a really useful technique 
for this. So they're giving a bit of a, a preview of their, of their benefit here in the video as well. These videos at Kai at least have been quite um, typical in the last couple of years. They're like typically like 30 second videos or something like this that will just basically give you the very, very key message but showing you the system and, and having somebody talk over it. And you can actually find those videos for, for a lot of the um, systems and, and papers that are being presented at Kai. So the contribution and benefit statement, um, you guys try to find out what kind of uh, research it is. And uh, when you try to draw out what the actual contributions are, the task now is to write a, uh, something up that isn't no, is no more than about 30 words and to say, this is a contribution, this is the benefit. See if you can turn what you wrote down into a short, like, two-sentence thing. One sentence about the contribution, one sentence about the benefit. Maybe you have that already. Um, if you haven't, you know, look at, look at it again and see if you can keep it as, as terse as possible. 30 words is not a lot. Okay, so I see people counting words, trying to drill it down to 30. 30 is actually a, a pretty harsh limit if you're trying to uh, get the contribution, the benefit across. Um, let's hear some examples. Uh, Who'd like to start? Yeah. Yorkshire is a mid-air board gesture keyboard that projects users' movement onto the display and can improve the performance substantially after suitable training. Okay. Um, so focus on the, the artifact, Vulture, which is, is definitely what the abstract is also suggesting. Um, and you're, you're hinting at the uh, fact that it has been verified and studied by saying and, you know, it proves things substantially after training. You also included sort of the hint that training seems to be necessary to get to um, higher performance rates. Yes. Um, other, other suggestions? Yeah. Uh, it introduces WordGesser uh, keyboard for mid-air operations where it adapts touch-based WordGesser's algorithms. The study shows it's better than the, all the other mid-air uh, uh, surfaces, but still slower than the normal keyboard. Okay, so that's a that's a two two sentence thing that sort of takes the artifact first and then talks about the evaluation of it. Also hints at the limitation, which I think would be good to have. Uh, although typically in a thirty-word statement, you're going to be pressed for space and probably going to drop the limitations because it's really mostly just about getting the key. Uh, thing across, right? Um, these 30-word statements are surprisingly difficult to write, um, but they're incredibly useful if, they, if you find them, and sometimes uh, they end up in the program at, at CHI, so you literally open up the, the program and there's like, you know, 100 papers being discussed, and you can read these one-sentence or two-sentence descriptions and get the gist of what this is about. It's basically an extended version of the title, right? The title is very, very short and just giving you uh, a glimpse at what's coming. The contribution and benefit statement is, in a way, the first sort of complete, wrapped up uh, message that you can take away. Um, I'm going to show you now what the authors themselves put in as the contribution and benefit statement. And it's a little bit of a surprise, because uh, they say, presents an empirical evaluation of the potential for word gesture keyboards, WGKs, in mid-air text entry. And compares how performance compares to touch-based WGKs. So this is interesting because they don't talk about the system here really, right? Um, and we've only read the title, the abstract, and now the contribution benefit statement. And that's 
actually all most people will ever read. Only if you get a reader and excited enough about your research that he would really wants to use it and build on it and, and refer to it, they will you read the rest of the paper. So we have a mismatch here. Um, and one of the things that kicks off this mismatch is a very typical technique that you will see in, I don't know, 70% of all papers, for example, at CHI. Starting with some crazy acronym, colon, explanation. In this case, vulture, colon, <laughs> That immediately sets all of us up to think, all right, this is about an artifact, right? They are going to show us some new gadget. It's an algorithm, it's an interaction device, it's whatever. It's about that artifact. And we expect it to also be evaluated, but we really would expect the system to be in the middle. And what that means is, just by reading the title, you as a reader are primed, your, your, set, your expectation is being set that they will tell you a little bit about that system too. So you would expect in that paper to hear about how does Vulture work? What kind of algorithms did you use to make it work? Like what, what, what's the technology behind it? We would expect a little bit of meat about the system itself because the system is the very first word of the title. And the abstract also suggests that. The abstract also, if you look at it, it says, you know, it talks about, okay, word gesture, keep replying. And then it says, we present Vulture, the capital V. That's a system, right? That's an, it's, a, it's got a proper name. They thought about it. it they, they named the system. That's definitely an artifact in the center of the contribution here. So it's kind of surprising that when they had to write their contribution and benefit statement, which is actually later in the process, you know, once your paper got accepted with this abstract and, and the rest of the paper, then you're asked to write this contribution statement for the, for the proceedings, um, for the printed, basically, booklet or, or PDF or whatever. Um, then they, they sort of put the empirical evaluation first, and they don't even mention the word vulture anymore, um, and they don't even mention that there is a system that's being presented anymore. So that's a mismatch that you may want to avoid when you write your own stuff. Right? Um, it also means that nobody's perfect, right? So when you read the 30-word statement, sometimes it may lead you in the wrong direction, or the, the title might lead you in the wrong direction. Uh, but that's not a very good way to write papers, because the expectation you set up with title, 30-word statement, and abstract, these are basically three layers of, of refinement, right? Title, super short, 30-word statement, a little more expanded, abstract, even more expanded. And these three things are the first three tiers of exposing your work as an author. So when you write your own, you should make sure that they're all consistent. They all focus on the same primary contribution. They mention the same kinds of benefits. They mention the same kind of evaluation that you may have done for showing that what you did is true. Yes, please. Does it depend on your own research question when you write your own 30-word summary? For example, it could, you may put focus on your own highlights or what you want or you found necessary for your own research. Mm -hmm. So is it more objective or subjective? Um, no, that should be objective because once you are writing your paper, uh, you're taking your research, you're taking your 400 pages of notes that you've got stuck away and on your desk, whatever, and you turn it into a digestible format that is for public consumption, right? This is for, well, maybe not public, but in the, at least in the sense you want your community, your peers all around the world to be able to find out what you learned. So at this, this point, you're going out of the closet, out of your lab, and you're trying to explain to other people what you're doing. So your paper is an expose, so to say, of your research. And as such, it should give people an objective view at your research. It's not about what I did last summer. Yeah. We actually often, yeah. I mean the yeah. summary for your own. Um, for if I just came to research paper, paper, 
just relevant for me, for my research. Oh, I see. You mean when, as a reader, you're looking at another paper, you don't have a 30-word summary from the authors, you're writing your own. Um, now, I'd still say it's something that should come from the paper, not from what you're doing yourself. The, uh, the reason for this is that the 30-word summary should sort of represent what the paper uh, substantially supports. And um, if it only has a, a side note on something that they did, but they don't go into many details about this, let's say they say, oh, by the way, it also worked, it, it didn't work at all for colorblind people. We didn't really look at it closely, but that's something weird that we found. And, and you're like doing a study on colorblind you know, interfaces. Um, in, your, in your little notes saying like, oh, this paper has an intriguing hint you know, at, at colorblindness. That's, that's right, you could write that down. But if you're writing this 30-word this summary, this should be something that says, what is this paper itself really giving you as the core contribution? If you say, you know, shows that blah, blah, blah doesn't work for colorblind, that's not really true because that's just an aside they give you that they don't back up substantially with their study. They didn't, you know, like control that, for example. They didn't do a controlled experiment about it. So this difference between what interests me in this paper, what are things that I want to, want to you know, refer to maybe, but what is the key core message, the mainstream thing that the paper is really substantially supporting. Okay, um, so this is about contributions and benefits. Um, yes, please. You mean because Vulture still didn't perform as well as... as Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It could be. I mean, this is actually a trend that, that sometimes happens. It ha happened to us ourselves. Actually, we just sat down last week about a research uh, work that somebody had done who wrote, you know, one of our guys here had written a paper. It's, it's accepted. We're now talking about, right, the presentation of that paper, and we had the exact same discussion, you know, saying, like, um, the... You start out thinking your artifact is really cool, but then you discover the artifact isn't actually the important thing. In fact, others have done similar artifacts. What's really cool is what you learned uh, in your studies, and maybe these guys, between writing their paper, submitting it, and writing the summary for the proceedings, um, you know, there's like four months in between those times, or, or five months. And so maybe in between, they came across other research that showed them, oh, okay, our artifact you know, isn't that important anymore, but we really still learned something that nobody else has found yet. So that's, that could be one reason. Um, I'm, and you're right, it's already hinted at in the abstract that they are going beyond their own system. You know, alternative things are being discussed as well. It's, it's often a trend that you'll see, especially when, for us who are mostly coming from a systems background, right? We're computer scientists, technical communication. What, what you look at, a lot of us have a sort of technical training. And we tend to focus on systems contributions. We try to, tend to think that in order to share your research, you've got to have something to show, right? some system. That's very engineering-minded you know, uh, thinking, uh, and it's not bad at all. But oftentimes you find that after a while, when you build that system, you learn something. And while it's hard to build that system, so not a lot of people can do it, so you're at an advantage if you're able to build that technology, that prototype, in the end, what you found, what, what you learned about it, is actually the valuable thing to share. Yeah. We built a curved surface touch interface back when pretty much nobody else was doing this. Um, 
And in the end, it wasn't that important to explain exactly how we built the touch, you know, the, the curved surface because it was just a prototype. It wasn't very good in the sense that you would want to make a product out of it. What was really interesting is what we learned about how people interact with it. So yeah, there's often a trend from artifact towards then thinking, ah, I think really the contribution is in, in what we learned here. This content was provided by RWTH, Aachen University.